Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Whenever you choose to listen to this, welcome to 11 Pieces of Me. It's finally back. It's a show where guests come on and create a team, but it's not always about the best players, just players they enjoyed watching growing up. I'm your host, Ali, and with me, my co-host, as always, kind of, sometimes when he's available, Ryan. Hello. How are we doing? Yeah, I'm not too bad. I feel like, you know, that that's that's a good start. You know, it's, it's very much like what Chris would say on the Extra Time podcast all the time. It's like, oh, Ryan, you know, you never hear. Like, yeah, but the difference is I've got you here and he doesn't. Well, exactly that, and this is a you know extra time recording night normally as well. So, oh, you know, oh, there's definitely going to be is... some you know enemies made after the, after tonight for certain. Oh, this is a stab in the heart to Chris. <laughs> um, but while whilst we're going through all this, we're going to try and get a couple of extra shows in and try and make this at least a, a semi-regular show back again once people get their teams together. Right? Yeah, good for me. So our first guest back is the is the Sunday night show host um and this has been a challenge for him uh welcome chris how are you doing hello uh, i'm so glad in your intro you said you didn't have to be good players because it hasn't made me have to cross out half my team uh yeah i'm good though thanks thanks for having me gents no i definitely the fun about it is it isn't having to be the best players because then every team would pretty much be the same so is that we novelty factor i'm, so, I'm, just, I'm just scribbling in mark viduka now though <laughs> <laughs> Suking up the boss as always. As I say, Ross is probably going to listen to it. He'll probably appreciate the Viduka pick, but probably be more confused if you do actually pick him. <laughs> so, you understand the rules, Chris? Uh, yeah? yeah, yeah, I think so. So, just for everybody listening, in case you haven't heard before or if it's been that long you've forgotten, uh, the guest has to pick a formation, pick a player for each one. Semi realistic, like no goalkeepers playing up front just to get two goalkeepers in. Um, and pick a captain. Um, you can either tell us your captain at the time or just at the end once we've went through the team, Chris, all right? Okay. And, oh, I literally oh. only just picked my captain. <laughs> you forgot. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. so start off. Do you want to give us your formation or do you want to go through it one by one? No, no, we can go through my fourth formation if you want. Uh, I'm pretty old school, so it's, I'm a 4-4-2 man, but it's a 4-4-2 diamond, uh, which I'll probably have to explain as I go along, and it'll probably make more sense when I explain some of the players in some of the positions. But yeah, yeah, just a straight 4-4-2. <laughs> Nothing fancy here. I like how you say it's a straightforward 4-4-2, and then you go, well, it is a diamond, and yeah, some other players will play. So it's going to be more like you know one of those weird football manager ones. It's a four-four-two diamond, asymmetric, with you know a player playing slightly higher on the left. Yeah, it's it's going to look like I dropped all the pieces on my tactical board. <laughs> and that's what team, and that's the team that stuck. Yeah. 
Right, let's start with the goalkeeper then. Let's see where this takes us. Okay, so my goalkeeper was actually one of my my, my most difficult picks. So I'm an Arsenal fan, as anyone who's ever listened to me on any of the shows would know. And I wanted to avoid the obvious choice because I think everyone would be expecting me uh, to pick David Seaman, which as much as I love David Seaman, um, I didn't. And Although now I'm just about to tell you who I've picked. I've just thought of somebody else who I probably should have picked. Uh, but don't worry about that because my list of uh, extras is already massive as it is. Uh, I've gone for Tafarel. Good choice. I thought I hadn't gone down well then when it all went quiet. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Tafarel, uh, the Brazilian goalkeeper from what, early 90s? Yeah, that, you have covered the 94. Did you do the 98 World Cup as well? Uh, I think he might have still been around the squad then. I can't remember if he was first yeah. choice, but USA 94 was where I remember him mostly from. Yeah, he was kind of... Yeah, he's probably the only Brazilian keeper apart from Dida that I could probably name. Hmm? Yeah, he was he was he was very unfancied. For, I always remember that about him because obviously he was uh, well, a well a Brazilian goalkeeper for one. He was quite short as well, and uh, I think it was unusual in a, in a Brazil team without being too controversial. He was also a white as well, which obviously made him stick out when you're watching like your Bebetos, your Romarios, and that like all line up. And there's this a guy who just looks like a hairdresser. So I so. I've just, I've just had to Google who it is, right? What? Yeah. Oh, come on! Ryan's only like twenty. <laughs> I'm, a, you know, I'm a young lads. All right. <laughs> he was probably playing, you know, as I was born, you know, whatever. Um, and you say he looks like a bit like a hairdresser because he does actually look a bit like one. If that's what, you, if that's what you're saying. Yeah, he had that sweeping blonde, like blonde, like. Yeah. Cut. Yeah. Oh, look, yeah. And he never played for a big club, really, from what I remember. He played in Turkey. I think he spent most of his career in Turkey. Well, he played for Parma, and like when we were talking up to pod about the, you know, the Italian Serie A football that we that we would have watched on Channel Four. He played for Parma in the early nineties, uh, but I, apart from that, I don't know where else he played. But as you say, we played in Turkey. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm I'm sure he played for for some Turkish club, but Galatasaray. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I know that off the top of my head. <laughs> no reason. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm pretty sure he was definitely part of the 98, like, still playing in mm-hmm. the 98. I'm sure he played against Scotland, being the only World Cup I actually remember, purely because Scotland qualified. Um, I'm sure he played in that competition as well. It looks uh, like, according to the uh, Wikipedia page, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, he was in. He was obviously winner in 1994, uh, and then uh, representing Brazil, runner-up, 1998. There you go, yeah. Because I, I know he got like over 100 caps for Brazil, which is quite an achievement anyway. Uh, you know, and uh, so, yeah, that would, would make sense that he probably did play across two World Cups. And as you say, quite well-known, um, especially if you grew up in that era, like, no, no digging at Ryan there, but <laughs> Brazilians, as you say, when you think of Brazil and you think of the player of the attack, mm-hmm. um Carlos was maybe the exception, but again, you think of Carlos because of the attacking side. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not known for the defensive side, so for Tafarel to be such a well-known goalkeeper, mm-hmm. I think, oh, yeah, I think that's a good pick. Might yeah. be the first person to actually pick as well. So it's quite a unique pick as well. I mean, you're right, I think a lot of people would 
I guess, either assume or, I guess, in your position, would go for David Seaman. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, there's one very big reason why not to go for David Seaman. So I'm glad that you didn't, because I, I was <laughs> on the edge of my seat ready to, like, rant. And, you know, and it's that goal that he conceded against Brazil, uh, the Ronaldinho free kick. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I remember, clear as day, standing in someone else's house, going, David, you need to get back on your line. Get back on your line. And then he got, and then he got lobbed, and then that—that's my only major. See, that's thing what that, I remember. About that's David what that, that's where age tells, because I remember when Ronaldinho hit that ball and thinking, "I've seen this before. That's going in," <laughs> <laughs> because that wasn't the first time that happened to him. Did I go for cup winners' yeah. cup final? Cup winners' cup final, Naeem. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah, that bloody ponytail. That's what cost him the final. <laughs> Dead silence, right? I think it was. I was say, I thought, yeah, yeah, I'm done. Sorry. I, I, yeah. I was sat there going, is there, an error, is there an error or what? Right. Let's let's take one of your fullbacks. Okay. So whatever side you prefer. Okay. So again, this the defensive part of my team was was quite difficult, and at yeah. one point I had three defenders, and thought, could I just stick an extra midfielder in? But I didn't. So I actually did pick a right back, and this is to be fair, this is somebody who was in my mind straight away, but I wasn't sure if they'd if they'd if they'd make it, if you know what I mean. And it's Cafu, another Brazilian, surprisingly. Yeah, no-brainer, to be honest. Um, yeah, I did think it was a bit predictable, but I just remember, he's a ramp, ramp, he was rampaging right back, wasn't he? He, like, he tore defences to pieces. 100%. He, he's the reason fullbacks today play like they do. Mm-hmm. Um, his energy levels right up until, I don't know, it's, it's kind of obvious until his legs went, but I mean, his legs didn't go till the end of his career. Like, it wasn't like they went at, at 30. Um, I mean, I could check, going back to check, but I'm pretty sure he was part of five World Cups, four World Cups, something like that. Probably. I say his career went for a long time. So he, he played into the late 2000s, I remember, because I remember him being on Football Manager. You could always get him on like a free transfer and stuff like that. But I say, I, I'm sure, I say he, was, he was definitely in the uh, the 94 World Cup. Uh, I don't, maybe he'd probably just missed 90, perhaps? Yeah, so I'm just having a look now. Uh, 94, 98, and 2002. Okay, didn't make the 2006 one. That's interesting. What he did? It might have played potentially a role in maybe qualification or something. Um, just... uh, I say he, he, was a, he was their manager at one, though, as well, wasn't he? Yeah, he was, yeah, he was in the squad in 2006. Um, just obviously not as, not as prominent um, as he had been. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure, I'm sure he captained. The, the squad, three of them or two of them, um, just a ridiculous record he has. Um, and as I say, definitely is the reason why why like fullbacks like Trent Alexander Arnold and that today are the way because he he kind of shone that light mm-hmm. in the fullback. And he's, he's he, I'd love to have seen how much distance he actually covered. You know, if that sort of stats were prominent. Yeah, like then because he was box to box from fullback constant. Well, I, mm. I got to see him a couple of years ago playing for the uh, AC Milan Legends team, and like obviously this was like when he's 
you know, in his forties, probably fifties by now. I, I, but you know, and he 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 still was as athletic as as probably most of the younger players on the pitch that day. You know, there was there were some players who literally like had still been playing, and he was still bombing down the. Uh, down, down the right wing from right back, you know, still doing tricks and still, you know, hitting shots from, from distance and stuff. And I was like, it, it was literally just like watching Cafu back in the day, albeit a little bit slower. It probably didn't seem as slow because obviously he's playing with other players. Yeah. The same age, so it still probably felt the same mm-hmm. around it, yeah. Um, I think it, it was a no-brainer. The only reason I didn't pick him in my team originally Purely on, I thought everybody would. I went with Lily and Turam. Um, again, yes. 98 was my World Cup. Um, and that France team was just obviously out of this world. But but Capu is just, for me, the, the best right-back that there's ever been. Yeah, I say I, I, I couldn't think of, of one better, really. And one, as you say, who has influenced the game. Like, he, yeah, he made, the, the position is... Him basically, kind of mm. like like Makaleli did for the the holding midfield role. He influenced how other holding midfielders play. And, yeah, and exactly as Ali says, if you go and ask, you know, your Trent Alexander Arnolds and stuff like that, who their influences are going to be, that they're probably going to come out and say, you know, your Cafus and the, you know, the likes. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's a great. It, 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 even though it's a slightly obvious pick, it's still a great pick nonetheless. Like in terms of, it's a great player and, and obviously has set such a good bar for mm-hmm. players nowadays to, to fulfil that role so I'll rate it yeah. I'm getting all the obvious picks out the way early doors <laughs> because they go pretty weird like, <laughs> once I get into my midfield um, I'll move on to my other side my other uh, fullback if you want yep go for it could only be Paolo Maldini so glad you said that could not pick anybody else like I think I, I'd have had him at centre back I'd have had him at left back I, I couldn't pick anyone else again he was the reason I went to see this AC Milan Legends game it, it, they were playing Arsenal in a charity thing anyway but Maldini was supposed to be playing and on the day they announced that he couldn't play he was still there and I still got to see him uh, close up and, oh my god he's one handsome man uh, <laughs> But I didn't actually get to see him play like, like live in the in the flesh, which was which was a little disappointing. But but I, as we'll probably come on to very shortly, I'm very much a midfielder man. I like I like a player who can hold the ball and pass the ball. And Maldini, he had it all. He was so classy, like everything about him. Like he, he looked like a model. And he read the game so well, and yeah, he played a pass. He you know he wasn't practicing the fastest left back from what I can remember, you know, he wasn't, he, he wasn't your Cafu anyway, but he strode forward and he, he was very cavalier, which is probably a word I'm going to use a lot <laughs> to describe some other players. And yeah, I just, like, it was as if the game stopped when Maldini strode forward with the ball. And yeah, I, 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 lo- I loved him as a player watching him, you know, um, you know, uh, watching Italian football on, on channel four when that came around and stuff it it was a whole different game you know I'd spent I'd spent my you know my early years watching like you Nigel Winterburns and 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 that and then this fucking Adonis from Milan comes out and he's just like what are you doing you put your foot on the ball you're not allowed to do that so yeah again it's an obvious pick but I couldn't pick anybody else Ryan Maldini for you does Ryan know who Maldini is yes I know who Maldini is thanks Chris Uh, not his son not not his son you know (laughs) No, I mean, there's exactly the same stuff as you, really, in terms of he was... I mean, OK, yes, he's a very handsome man. You know, I, I don't think I can disagree with that statement. He's, 
it was just a, a different class of fullback. And it, yeah, I guess it's that same thing as that you were saying about Cafu. It's that so different, I guess, at the time to what you people were expecting or used to. And it was just you know a bit of a breath of fresh air. And you see some of his play and, and what he did. It was just incredible. And I think you sort of covered it where you can sort of cover a lot of that back line as well. So you'd never mm-hmm. be left short with him, which is great. And he was the sort of player like so even at your left back in the I think if it was a bit different then especially the Italian defensive game but like if Maldini if the opposite team was attacking like on a counter attack or something and Paolo Maldini was the only player back you still wouldn't be worried because you'd be like he's going to make a tackle and he's going to make a tackle out of nowhere and he's going to make it look so easy and so effortless, you know, that his, his hair won't even flow out of place. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he, yeah. I sound, I sound really creepy, but yeah, he, he, he was, he was magical to watch. The, the, the man is a thing of beauty. Mm-hmm. Uh, his elegance, like, at his finest. Um, about, about what you said about like if, if the team are attacking and you've only got Maldini back, it's not even the challenge. He just read the game so well yep. that there was never need for the tackle. Um, Obviously, there's the famous line, if I have to make a slight tackle, it's my fault. You know, I'm out of position. I don't remember him ever sliding in on anybody. No, no. It was always like kind of that drop to the knee. Yeah. You know, it was never like the lunging slide that we see. Probably more prominent now, maybe doing faster attackers, but still. um, I I cheated and I had him at at left centre-back so I could get a different left-back in. But for me, Maldini's kind of... For me, he's the greatest defender that I've seen in any 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 footage or even any time um, for me, um, I just I run out of superlatives for yeah. for him. Uh, Absolutely just, phenomenal player. Yeah, the elegance, the grace, the, and as you say, it's just it, it's wrong to be that handsome and that good. <laughs> <laughs> but then you look at his dad because obviously his dad was a left back for Milan as well, and his dad like had that same that look that. Roman emperor style look, <laughs> and then his son has also played also plays for Milan, and so like so much so he's that, that revered at AC that they they don't give out give out the number three shirt unless your surname's Maldini. Yeah, it's, it's just I guess that's all you need to say on on how good of a player it. he is. It's legacy, isn't it? You know, there's something nice about a one club player mm-hmm. at such high level. You know, like I don't even remember much talk of anybody ever going in for him. I he think would, he wouldn't have gone, would he? he, he would that's not really the point. Yeah, I I guess that's that's the thing. Done, like, we're kind of just wasting our time. Yeah. Um, but no, that's just remarkable. I I, I love the man. I, as he's in my top three players of all time, just because again, at the job that he did, there's no one that could do it better. Yeah, he's 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 one of very few players that I would pay a lot of money to watch. Yeah. Uh, the, and especially in the defensive side of the game, yeah. Like normally you pay to watch the, you know, the the skill, the goals, and mm-hmm. but something magical, especially in that that nineties era, of watching Italian defenders and and as you say, Maldini was just kind of like that that cherry on the top for me. Right, so I'm moving to my centre backs, and I'm going to keep it along the same lines as Maldini. So I probably won't have to say too much about this next player because he, he's again the reason he appealed to me. He's very similar to Maldini in the way he played the game. He made it very effortless and stuff. You too. I have all, I have, if you say who, sorry, Neil Roddick. I'm not going to be happy. Oh god damn! It's like you can see my paper. <laughs> um, but no, um, 
I kind of cheated as well because technically he's a midfielder, oh. but he, ha- he has he has played at centre back, and he, he and as Ryan said, he would definitely do a job. <laughs> uh, it's uh, low for Matthias. Oh, I mean that's that's fair for centre back. Sure, I think he isn't he a centre back on like FIFA as well. Yeah, probably, but you say he. St- I think he started as a centre back and then moved forward because obviously he was quite small uh, and stuff like that. But I think that having that midfield. Um, base to his game you know helped him as well because yeah again he, he was so effortless like he strode with the ball and you know he um philip Lahm kind of re- 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 um, reminded me of him when he played that defensive midfield as well role as well it's just the way he stroked the ball as a pass there was there was like maldini like there was never a, a, a lump really it was never like you know the, your typical english center back you know lumping the ball out of the way and whatever and when we see his his, his uh, defensive partner you'll probably think jesus christ he would have killed him um but yeah, yeah again he was he was a player he, he wasn't like a shot stopper or anything he was he read the game so well in in midfield uh and in defense um so for, for, yeah for that reason i had to include him yeah i yeah echo everything you've just said um, and again, it was about because he's defend. He moved into obviously centre half in the latter part of his career, mm-hmm. uh, and that's probably where he become more well known, especially with the newer generation, because he was still playing two thousand, maybe two thousand and two. Yeah, he played quite late, uh, especially for Germany as well, um, and that's where you know everybody remembers him from. Um, so I mean, you're talking four or five World Cups he's playing in. Going from defensive midfield to to centre back sweeper, I think Germany were one of the first teams to have that proper sweeper that I recall. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you say, he just glided that ball about. There was never a there was never a punt. There was never a like aggressive passing move. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. it was just that no effort whatsoever. Kind of that German stereotype. Yeah, he was he was he was amazingly efficient. And I'm you say you mentioned the sweeper thing there. He's the only player I remember playing football manager and trying to sign him on it. But he was the only player I'd ever seen that was a sweeper. So I couldn't make him fit into my new systems. Do you remember much of Matthias Ryan? Uh, only sort of little bits here and there. I mean, again, looking sort of just online in terms of stats and everything, he's instantly recognisable in that sense. I I guess. Yeah, midfielder that sort of, but and then that sweeper role. I guess he's, I guess in the same way you described the other players is, it's not. I, I don't know if iconic is, is almost too strong of a word, but I guess he, you know, he owned those roles and, and was so good in those roles. And I think the word you use is efficiency, which I guess was so key to his game. And I think it's just, you know, a perfect way of describing it. If there, if there was a loose ball on the edge of the area, he'd be there. Just to Hoover it up. Can't, the only player I can think of that has ever reminded me of him in recent times is uh, Angola Kante when he was at Leicester. Yeah. The way he just hoovered everything up, got the ball, played it off, got the ball, played it off. Nothing fancy, nothing extravagant. He just he did the dirty work basically, but in such a a smooth way you know he, he's not like your francis cochlin obviously we're never going to compare him to francis cochlin but he was the sort of player you said go put a crunching tackle in win the ball and then play it off and that worked but Matthias, 
he just he just kind of came in from nowhere and the ball and just everyone, everything else just seemed to move out of the way he'd get the ball and then just yeah stroke it to someone who could you know run you know 20 30 yards of it or play a long ball or something it was fantastic 150 caps for germany um, yeah that, that says it all really doesn't it 20 year international career you know it says how highly he was thought of to still be around you know the squad for such a long time mm-hmm. uh, i didn't realize he'd went into milan for a period um, I assumed he was one of those that kind of stayed in Germany right through his bulk of his, you know, the main part of his career, forgetting when he went away um, at the latter part. But, um, yeah, he had a four-year spell in Milan. Uh-huh. Went to America as well, didn't he, for, for yeah, a period? Yeah. Oh, I've just seen, he, he then played one game in 2018. Well, I think it was for the team that he grew up yes, as a youth team was, player. I think Germany. it was some charity thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I reckon he could still play now, though, because like he didn't seem to exude that much energy. Well, he must be coming up 60 now. So, I mean, if you're... Yeah. There you go. Wow. So he's 50, 57, 58 when he's kicking the ball again. Again, as you say, uh, Chris, it's it just it, the type of player he was, he wasn't limited by age. It was all in his head. Like, his ability and his... his he had that football brain. Mm-hmm. So everything was effortless. Right. So he's saying about yeah. Oh, sorry. Sorry, I, was just, no. I think that's the thing about you saying he, he he could do the the job now almost because yeah, it, you don't have to be a super quick player to be in that sort of sweeping position where if the ball's sort of gone over. The, all you need to do is just you know sweep in and, and knock it away or knock it to to a mate or something. You know, mm-hmm. you don't need really good legs to do that. You just need the the footballing brain, which is so evident with him in terms of okay, I can get the ball and I know exactly where it's going to go. It's he's, he's probably like you know five passes ahead of himself almost in terms of I know where I'm putting this off to and I know where it's going to go next and again devilishly handsome yeah I mean, he, yeah he's a good looking bloke fair play to him scared of who you're going to ruin which brings me on to his partner yeah I had to go I had to go super predictable I, I, I couldn't not pick anybody but Tony Adams as my <laughs> other centre back I had to yeah. the donk like I genuinely love this man. I disagree with a lot of things he says now, and I disagree with some of his fashion choices. <laughs> I disagree with a lot of his life choices. Uh, but as a player, I remember being at Highbury in the game against Everton when we, were, we we needed to win to wrap up the title, and we were winning, and he got the ball. I think Steve Boulder, someone plays the ball to him, like on the halfway line, and they just started waving him forward because we, 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 were, we were clear, Everton had given up the ghost, waved him forward, he gets, and like literally, the seas parted, and the whole ground would just like shoot, and he just rifled the ball home from like 20, 30 yards, and then he just stood there and threw his hands in the air, exhausted, and that's the statue of him outside the Emirates right now, and yeah, he was our, he was our captain from like, what, 18, maybe? You know, he, he had a few... Um, indiscretions is probably the way I'm not going to go into details about him ending up in people's living rooms in a car and stuff like that um, you know but he's you know and he came back and he captained the club he captained England he probably should have more England caps probably should have captained England uh, for longer and stuff like that but yeah he was he was Mr Arsenal for me and, and, and growing up as, as, as an Arsenal fan from when I was like seven eight years old um, Tony Adams was the, was the man 
you know, Arsenal weren't this attacking team that they are now uh, and stuff like that. They were very much a rough and ready uh, 1-0 to the Arsenal type of thing. And that whole thing came from him and, and well, obviously, and George Graham as well. But, um, yeah, so I, I couldn't pick another centre-back. Yeah, I mean, I, it was thoroughly expected. Um, but as you, like, you summed it up perfectly. I mean, he was Arsenal. Mm-hmm. Um, anybody growing up watching the Premier League um, before Sky especially, you know, so you weren't getting it on TV every week, um, just knew that that back four of Arsenal's, um, you know, with Dixon, Bolden, uh, Winterburn, Winterburn, yeah. yeah. Um, and as you, you mentioned, the 1-0 at Arsenal, the, you know, the famous chant, it was just the even the, the, the really famous, like the offside trap, you mm-hmm. know, so renowned for it, especially, I mean, He's just no nonsense. Read the game so well. I mean, who cares about, especially in a conversation like this, who cares about his off-field stuff? Like that's, yeah. you know, that's not up for discussion. Um, I do my only, not not so much negative thing, but you mentioned probably should have had more England cats. I wonder if that was down to outsiders believing that Adams was only as good as the back four. See, you know, maybe, but I said my, my opinion was he was always the best one out of all of them. I agree, but I wonder how many just looked at as because they were one nils. If, yeah. if four was such a key factor that they didn't want to, you know, maybe taking one wasn't as good an option as taking two centre backs from somewhere else. Oh yeah, obviously, and and because you know you look at you know no no disrespect to, to Nigel Winterburn and, and Lee Dixon, like I'm quite a fan of Lee Dixon. Winterburn not so much, apart from that goal against Chelsea. Sorry, Ryan. Um, <laughs> wow. But yeah, that, they they got England caps, and you know they got England caps because they were probably trying to recreate that Arsenal defence. Yeah. Uh, and stuff like that, and then you know you look at the the players he he, he played alongside. Martin Keown was a decent centre back, but how many managers nowadays would pay two centre backs of that ilk? That the two no nonsense centre backs, it's way too much of a risk. Yeah. Uh, and stuff like that. But Adams is reading the game, especially as he got older. So yeah, he was the no nonsense, the last ditch tackle and stuff like that. But sometimes he would pull off. And I'm probably going to get ripped to bits for saying this, mm-hmm. but he would sometimes pull off that little Maldini. You know, just step in front of you and walk away with the ball move. Obviously, Maldini did that for his whole career, and it was obviously something Adams had to adapt to bring in uh, later on in his career. You know, when he dyed his hair blonde and was banging Caprice. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, he, he gets in my team for that. Um, but yeah, no, yeah, he 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 he, he was absolutely absolutely fantastic. And like, there's you know, defenders were very low on my list of. of you know, of, of picks here and stuff. And I, I picked all the basically people for, say, you know, their, their style, the way they played the game, more like a midfielder, all my other picks have been. But yeah, Tony Adams, I, I just had to pick. 19 year career as well. Ryan, do you remember much? Or again, is it just like the kind of the sky flashback shows? And it's, that- it's mainly the, the sky flashback shows, yeah. you know, but I think everything that you said, Chris, again, is that iconic thing of he, he was your squad for, for you know quite a long time and I guess you know the story of the captain from you know a young age and obviously yeah, forget everything else um, as we've said but I think he's just he is an Arsenal legend in that sense I mean it's it's no surprise that you've you've picked him um, and I think as well just just on reflection of that defence it's actually got a really good balance to it in, in a way and I don't know if that was intentional or not but you could actually see that team work I mean 
Matthias would probably get very annoyed at, at Tony Adams. But, <laughs> you, you know, you've got players that would be able to sweep him behind or, like, clean up after him after he's gone for a big challenge or something. I'm an so. Arsenal fan. I'm used to having to make sure someone can clean up <laughs> after one of my defenders. Yeah, and I think that, but, you know, Adams is a great pick. And, you know, it's understandable why you picked him. And it's, yeah, I think it's the right pick. What do you want next? Right, so let, explain the diamond to us. How, how are you okay, so my diamond, what I'm thinking here, I've got a right, a right-sided midfielder, like out oh. wide, player who can play out wide. I've got a left-sided midfielder who can play out wide, who may also, at some point of their career, played as a striker slightly. <laughs> uh, I've got a midfielder, an actual midfielder, and then I've got maybe a number 10. Right, okay. Behind right. two strikers. Right. So it's Let's not really do... a diamond then. Yeah. Is it? It's like a it's like a, a four four one two one two. No, right, there we go. Yeah, it's a, that, that's what we used to call a diamond in our day, Ryan. Well a diamond is defensive midfield on left and right midfield on I'm on Ryan's side here. Leave the kid no, on. There was none of this four one two one twos when we were young. I remember right. when Terry Venables mentioned a Christmas tree and everyone was like, What the hell are you talking about? Well, uh, we're part of the nation that played a, a four-five-zero, so oh, four-six-zero. Sorry, we need an extra player. Yeah. So who do you want? Just pick a position. Yeah, give me the centre midfielder first, then. Uh, this is this is probably the pick that I I will put money on. No one ever picking this player. I will put money on like most people listening will not even heard of this player. Um, Alex Awobi's not retired. We told you. <laughs> it's um, Clayton Blackmore. Who? Yeah, who? Clayton Blackmore used to play for Man United in the 90s. Did he play for Charlton as well? Uh, possibly towards the end of his career. Uh, I believe he's Scottish. <laughs> uh, I believe he's possibly been part of the Man United coaching team. Um, oh no, I've, actually, I've just done a quick Google. He's Welsh. Um, the, uh, the reason I picked Clayton Blackmore is obviously this Man United team around like the, the early 90s. And stuff when they were starting to become the force that they were, um, and obviously football pitches were very muddy. You know there was mud on pitches then, Ryan, and stuff like that. And it got dark, and we had competition sponsored by like Rumbelows and, and milk. <laughs> um, but I remember that United midfielder of like of Brian McClare and Clayton Blackmore, and what stuck out with Clayton Blackmore he's one he could play anywhere I could have had him as, as one of my defenders he he, the, I think this is why Fergie liked him because he wasn't very good but he could play anywhere but the one thing I will always remember him for and literally when I when you asked me to do this as strange as it sounds especially looking at some of the players on this on this list he was easily one of the very first names that came into my head and I will always remember it because this man could smack a ball he, and you're talking the old mitre delta balls. None of these like balls now that hit you, you'd hardly notice. These are the balls that if they hit you, you had concussion. And, and Clayton Blackmore could hit a ball. And I always remember, I don't know, Ali, if you'll remember this. Ryan definitely won't. Hmm. Uh, do you remember the game Adidas Power Soccer? Of course, yeah. Now, do you remember you used to put the cheat in that was free shredded weight? Yeah. So you literally smacked the ball in from everywhere. I remember doing that, and every time one of my players would hit the ball in from anywhere, no matter who I was playing as or anything, I was always like, that's Clayton Blackmore doing that. <laughs> because that's what he did on the pitch. The man could just hit a ball. Like I'm not saying he was hitting goals from 40 yards or whatever, but he'd hit the bar or he'd get it close. And, yeah, I, considering I've gone for like quite a classy team, forgetting Tony Adams and whatever, 
Clayton Blackmore was just a utility man who could smack a ball, and I just remember it impressing the shit out of me. <laughs> oh, I'm going to guess Ryan's the same as me and hasn't heard of him. 100%. Uh, yeah, yeah. But these are these are the players, like just the way you describe them, is why I wanted to do this show in the first place. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we all have the discussions about the best 11s and all that, but it's finding these little players. Um, I mean, we mentioned like some of the older teams pre-pod, the, the Kevin Gallons getting introduced and all that. You know, it's, it's those. And what you said about Fergie loving this type of player, Fergie's been renowned for having some terrible players, but so influential and so key to them winning trophies. Mm-hmm. Um, so everything you've described, I couldn't agree with more without even knowing who he is, but you've, you've summed it up perfectly. I mean, I had a quick Wikipedia search on him just to get a rough idea and nothing even rings a bell but again stopped kind of he stopped playing for Man United in 94 uh, yeah, yeah ju- ju- just the Premier League era started and I think I, I think even by then he was a bit bit part player but I, yeah I remember that I remember obviously you, you'll probably remember it as well when when Premier well not Premier League but Division 1 games yeah. used to be on like ITV on a Wednesday night yep and you know you couldn't see anything because it was pitch black and the the pitch was was muddy as anything and all the players' shirts were the same colour. Um, but yeah, and and that's when I remember him like you know they had those small little shorts. I don't remember it because of the small shorts. Uh, <laughs> but like yeah, he he just yeah he was just industrial, which is probably the opposite of everybody else in my team. But he, yeah, he was that industrious, hard like hardworking, just yeah played wherever you wanted, did did whatever you wanted. And yeah, and I, but yeah, I can literally just because he could hit a ball, not even <laughs> on target. Just he could, you know, when you're a kid and you're just like, I wish I could hit a ball like that. And obviously nowadays you've got the lighter footballs and whatever that came in and stuff. And you see, you see players hit balls now and they go around corners and into the stand and back out again and stuff like that. There was none of that in not in this day. Like you hit a ball and it it was it went straight and sometimes it only went about four yards. But like, yeah, it, it, when Clayton Blackmore hit a ball, it, it was like a missile. And probably this is probably all rose-tinted glasses as well, uh, and stuff like that. I'll probably go on YouTube and try and find videos of him now, and he'll be terrible, and he'll be falling over, <laughs> and, and, and stuff like that. But it's just how I remember him, and it's it's weird because hey, he's a player that neither of you have heard of. Obviously, Ryan, it's a bit more understandable, uh, considering he played in title and European title-winning Man United teams. But you've never heard of him. But his name, even now, twenty-five years later, is still in my head. Well, probably more than nearly thirty years later, his name is still in my head. It's not. I didn't. I didn't have to look him up or anything. I rem. I remembered Clayton Blackmore. There's there's going to be players like Blackmore though in twenty years' time that people now will forget even played for those clubs and you know. But the, at the time, you'll remember like they played such a pivotal role. In certain games, and I mean, Ryan, have you got anything to add at all on Clayton Blackmore? <laughs> no, I, I think just thirty-nine caps for Wales, Ryan. Yeah, come on, I should know this. No, I was just going to say it's about the rose tinted glasses thing. I think that's exactly why this show works because it's it's how the player makes you feel, not about their actual stats or anything. I mean, I think I put Torre Andre Flo up front in mine, um, and he's not, you know, a Chelsea legend by any stretch. Yeah, his stats aren't great, but I just always remember, and I grew up watching him play, and being like he was a great header of the ball, and that's all I remember. But that's why this works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's it. It's about it's about those moments. I mean, 
obviously the time that we did it, you know, we, there were certain players waiting to retire. Like of all Liverpool players that I probably could have had, Dirk Kite would be one of my first names ever on any team. But he's not that name that kind of resonates you when you're listing Liverpool players, especially when you're listing greats. But as you say, Chris, it's just about how it makes you feel and the memories that, you know, a certain event or a certain action that gives you. For you, it was the striking of the ball. It was that mm-hmm. shot. And it was what you wanted to be in the playground when you were playing football. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Right. Okay, I'm, right. I'm not. I'm not going to do his midfield part. I'm going to go out to to what we'll call my wingers. Uh, so my right winger again, really predictable. And I've got a bit of a confession to make before I do this. Ooh. This is the only footballer, or probably the only celebrity that I have. You'll guess who it is as soon as I say this. Who I have ever gone into a hairdresser's and gone, I want my hair like that. Ooh. And I was probably older than I should have been at the time. It's David Beckham. Oh, Beckham. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. He, We've all done that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the weird thing about this is I've had David Beckham's hairstyles quite a lot. I On the on the night that David Beckham got sent off against Argentina, I was watching it in a city centre bar in Wolverhampton uh, at 17 years old. And I had the same hair as David Beckham. And I came out of this bar, obviously dejected after the, the defeat and everything, and I got the shit kicked out of me by a group of England fans. Really? That's yeah. It was basically, you floppy-head wanker, uh, you cost us the game. And I was like, you do know that I am not David Beckham, right? I've just got the same stupid hair. Yeah, I got, I got absolutely beaten, not because Jesus. of David Beckham. And he still made my team. <laughs> but the thing I like about David Beckham, I, I suppose I've used Industrious, we can't that more. David Beckham wasn't a great player. Well, he was a great player, but he wasn't a great player for, you know, he's not Yizidan or anything like that. He wasn't a great skillful player, but he had something about him. He just had that X factor. Obviously, he was hugely marketable, you know, idiots like me copied his haircut. And the haircut I went to the hairdressers to get was the little Mohican thing. Um, No, not the Mohican. (laughs) That little little spiky Mohican thing he had. And my hair is actually still... I kind of still do my hair in a similar way now. It's obviously longer and great. Um, but, yeah. Um, but, yeah, he, he worked hard. That game against Greece. Now, I actually missed that live because I was working. I was doing door-to-door sales on that Saturday. And I just... I've never... I don't remember the country ever being like this. Like, so, I'm knocking on people's doors trying to sell gas and electricity while England are playing Greece in a vital qualifying game. And, like... Like I remember knocking on someone's door and they were celebrating the goal and the guy came out and he was like, we've done it, we've just qualified. Ah! Like it was absolutely insane and I didn't get to see the goal until like after like I got home afterwards. Uh, but yeah, Dave, he just he carried teams, he, but he played in great teams and carried them just through pure hard work. And, and I think that's the one thing that really stuck out from with David Beckham is he, uh, you know, he worked so hard because I think he knew he wasn't technically the best player. Uh, and he adapted his game. You know, he he played as a, a as a right winger. He played as a like a. I suppose he's probably the closest thing we've ever had in football to a quarterback. Yeah. The way he would sit back and he could play that ball. And and when I play football, even now at, at 39 years of age, my game is David Beckham's game because I I'm pretty good with a long range ball. I'm terrible from six yards, but I I I can I can find another player from 60 yards. Because I used to watch him play, uh, and and yeah, and just 
I, I loved the way he played the game. He worked, he ran around, he won the ball, and yeah, and he just and that goal against Wimbledon, uh, you know, and stuff like that. It, it, there was just something special about about him and the, what happened when he played football. Despite, and I think he would admit he probably was never the best player on a football pitch when he played. Brian, I'll let you start on this one. I mean, Chris is preaching at the choir because I'm sure when we first remastered this podcast, we both did have him. Um, And everybody knows my love for the man, so I'll let you go first. I I love him. He was always the first player that I bought on on FIFA, you know, in terms of when you had the career modes. Because for some whatever reason, I just wanted to see him in a Chelsea shirt. Um, Because it was just so instantly recognisable that you'd you'd want him in your team and you'd it would be that thing of like, right, I want him, and every free kick you get, every corner, every penalty, you'd put him on it because you know that he's the best player for it. And I think you know you say about the sort of the not the best player on the pitch, and you remember it. It was the point of him being able to cross the ball was just unbelievable. And mm-hmm. I don't, when was it that Man United did their um, charity game? Was it last year? And he played in it. And yeah, and he was still pinging passes around. He was just pinging the best passes, like just from out of nowhere. And he, you're right about the quarterback thing, especially as it got later into his game, and he just and he played more, you know, central midfield. And he, yeah, he he'd, he'd get the ball and he just he'd just ping it long, um, and he'd just find someone instantly. It'd be on their on their chest, on their feet, wherever you know they wanted it. It was there. Mm-hmm. You know, it was very rare that you'd see him misplace a ball like that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, so many iconic moments, that Greece free kick, and just, I mean, yeah, I love the bloke. <laughs> like this, this is a, a man who who played for obviously I'm a Liverpool fan, so our arch rivals. Um, I had this man's name tattooed on me from I don't even know how old I was when I got it. Um, I had every England top. With Beckham seven on that, it. That's mattered to hear this as a, were you being a Scotsman? I didn't know this. Well, I obviously never had a United top with, um, but the minute you left to go to Madrid, I had every Madrid top, I had every Galaxy top, PSG top, Milan top when he was there. Anything with Beckham seven or twenty three on it, I've had it. This he's he's almost like an idol, and I'm one of the few that believes he's actually underrated as a footballer because of his personality. Mm-hmm. I think people look at the, the, the outside stuff and the, the celebrity stuff and things like that and forget how talented a player he was. Yes, mm-hmm. he wasn't flashy. Did he throw any tackles? Very rarely. But he didn't have to. Mm-hmm. He just, I, you summed it up perfectly by writing that quote. For me, his best ever season was his last season at Real Madrid, 6-7. And he, and he almost played defensive midfield um, that season. Um, and purely down... Like the way like Xabi Alonso is like revered now, yeah. like that, that passing, that was Beckham pre Alonso. Yeah. You know, and and it's just, I mean, the, he always gets talked about that Greece game, and I'll always say that's it's one of the worst games he's ever been in because he just tried too hard. Yeah, he just ran a, ran around doing everything, didn't he, in that game? Um, and but I knew he was again like his his free kick record isn't actually great. But I knew he was scoring that last free kick because he had two free kicks, two or three, just before it, almost in the same position. So it was kind of just like, you just, you, you can't give, you know, they talk about strikers, you can't give them too many chances. You just can't give Beckham those opportunities because hearing all his ex-teammates say that he would spend hours after training practicing these and 
we, we discussed Na- Messi and Ronaldo and Messi being the most naturally gifted footballer ever. And it's hard to argue, whereas Ronaldo's worked so hard to become that good. Well, that was Beckham, again. Yeah. And that's rubbed off on youngsters. And and, going point, and the whole point of this podcast is, and I thought Beckham is a great, but Beckham's one of the most influential players to, to kids and to teenagers and adults, as you mentioned, Chris, that people still look up to him as in hairstyles, fashion sense. I've Me- never known anything like it. I don't know what came over when I went to the hairdressers and I was like, I want my hair like him. Yeah. Like, it, it was insane, and but everybody did it, there, and I don't, no I don't remember, do I don't remember anybody, any, I don't remember anybody ever doing anything like that. You know, I hear about the Beatles, but that was obviously before my time and whatever. I'd, I'd, I'd never heard of anything like that, and then suddenly he came along, and you know, he was just, yeah, there was just something about him. You, you, that's a, that's the perfect analogy. He's like the Beatles. Yeah. You know, somebody who's at the top of their game, but also top of every other world they're involved in. Mm-hmm. Um, because even the fashion sense that you would think, I'm not wearing that, if Beckham turned up in it, you would then wear it. Oh, yeah, of course. I'd wear a sarong all day long. I had every pair of Predators like that had his little icon on it. Just because he did I hated Predators. I was never a Predator guy. But Beckham had them, so I had to have them. Mm-hmm. And that's just the way it was like, the way you mentioned Cantona with the collar up. You know, just, there's, there's just players who have got it. That X factor, as I think you even labelled it as that earlier on, Chris, mm-hmm. and and that was Beckham, and purely because of all that stuff, I believe people actually overlook how talented a player he was yeah. and, and how influential the... to the teams he played in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like this isn't a player. Like so, like Clayton Blackmore when I was like seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. David Beckham was around at his peak when I was like fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, and he still had that effect on me. Teenage girls weren't having that kind of effect on me when I was that. It was, yeah, absolutely, yeah, special. Like, and I, I, I will go as far as to say, apart from two, two of the other players on my list, probably no player has, has, has got to me in kind of the same way, I suppose. But for different, obviously, for, for very different reasons, which we'll come on to. But yeah, yeah, um, um, just something special about him. I, I couldn't not have him. If he if he decides and announces he's playing in, a, in some sort of match in six months' time, mm-hmm. there's a good chance we're all going to try and get tickets to that Oh, match. God, yeah. When he announced that he was playing in that Man United charity game, that was such a big deal. And they had some massive players from all over the world involved in that. And all people cared about was David Beckham. And then, as you say, he came on and started passing balls around like it was the year 2000 again. Like, without loving the man a bit too much, but I, I love everything about him as well. Just, like, the way he is off the field... He seems to actually genuinely care about, you know, everything he's involved in. He sent some quite controversial emails, doesn't he? This is very. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he comes across as a genuinely just good guy, you know. Is that because of his voice, though? Well, do you, think well if it, do you think if he had like a proper manly voice? I can't talk because I sound like a <laughs> like a fucking slowed down idiot version of David Beckham. Um, <laughs> But yeah, do you think if he, if he had like a proper Cockney geezer voice, we'd think the same about him? Oh, maybe not. But I don't know because he still looks the way he does. So I'm all for it. I mean, a lot of people don't really care about his voice, so I guess it doesn't really matter. <laughs> I, you know, I, I think what's weird is I don't think, and, and take people like Ronaldo out of it, I, I don't think we'll ever see a player that has that same effect on people no. as much. Yeah, no, even, even if you do think about Ronaldo now, like okay, he's influential. But I guess not. A still not in the same way. But B people will still talk about Beckham and, and the fact of 
people don't really talk about him really necessarily for the footballing reasons. It's for those memories of, of what he's done, not because he was a world-class player. Yeah, you no, know, he, he changed the game in America, which you know he by did, going yeah. over there, you know, he showed that you know big names would go there. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, he made it, and I mean, I, I don't know if you got, I think I assume both of you have. And his last game for PSG was it? Um, when he came on and all the players, well, he came off with fifteen minutes to go, and all the players were crying around him. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's, hard, yeah. Hard, moment but he had that effect on professionals as well mm-hmm. like a movie like everything he's done in his life is like a movie yeah yeah spot on right before we all start like um masturbating silly well i was gonna say if we're into if we're into masturbating over footballers this is gonna get very messy now because i have four players left and i guarantee that both of you could probably pick three of them uh, the other one is probably going to be a little bit more uh, left wing ah, to say, but we'll go for my left winger. <laughs> Amazingly, this player almost didn't make my team because I didn't want to cheat too much. Uh, but then I remembered that when he signed for Arsenal, he was a left winger. Um, another man who has a statue outside the ground oh, is Thierry Henry. I'd already written it down. Yeah. And I was a little bit amazed myself. Even my wife was like, so Thierry Henry's in there, isn't, isn't he? And I was like, well, maybe, uh, but he wasn't at one point. I, I, I almost didn't put him in. Um, but I will openly go on record and say I love this man, and he can do anything he wants to me. <laughs> I don't know what else there is to say about him. There's just, I, I, probably, I, I suppose, like like the Beckham thing. Maybe not on the world stage or even in football. Yes, he's re- highly regarded and was a phenomenal player. But at Arsenal, he was everything to us. Because, yes, we had all these, you know, we, we had a very good team at the time and whatever. And, yes, all the other components came into play and whatever. But I don't think Arsenal would have got half the attention they did at this during this period if he hadn't been in that team and, and done some of the things he did. That goal against Man United, like I was in a pub with a group of Man United fans and I remember jumping up on the table and fucking screaming in their faces like because it was fucking phenomenal what he did to that ball and put, putting it over Bartes uh, like that. And then, yeah, like, he, you know, the, the goal he scored at the Bernabeu to, to beat Real Madrid 1-0 in their own backyard in the Champions League. Um the only thing, the only black mark I have against him is is the fact that he joined Barcelona after publicly stating he wouldn't after that Champions League final. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'm not going to gush too much about him because I've got two other players on here I'm probably going to gush about just as much. Um, yeah, he he absolutely phenomenal, and I I I still love watching him. I I love watching him talk as a pundit. He's a phenomenal pundit. So good. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just I do find myself watching old Arsenal clips with him playing, uh, the way he ran with the ball. Like I like I've seen interviews with, with with like I used to watch interviews with defenders he played against. He'd be like, I've never seen a player run with the ball like he did, because he was so quick. And I think Ronaldo's pretty similar in a way to the way he runs at pace with the ball. Um, but yeah, he phenomenal player. This this player's more of your era, Ryan. So I'll let you take more of this one. So, uh, uh, that, right. So, uh, Henri is a player, great, but I hated him, right, as as a Chelsea fan, because every time it seemed every time we played you guys, he'd just be there and he'd score. That wasn't just Chelsea, though. That was everybody. No, no. But I, I said it from the from the Chelsea perspective. 
I, you, you'd see the, you know, I remember sitting there before Arsenal games and just thinking every time Henri's going to get the ball, I'm going to get so frustrated because <laughs> that man could do so many different things to score. And he, just looking through his record against us now, he scored in pretty much every game, you know, he played against us uh, with you guys. And he'd just tear us apart all the time. And I just remember sitting there going, I hate this bloke just because he's so good. <laughs> that's how uh, I felt about Didier Drogba. <laughs> and that's, I think Henri is right. I mean, the interesting thing about the pundit thing is I remember, I think it was like Morata. It might have been Morata or Costa scored a goal in, in, in one of the Chelsea games. And Henri was the pundit. And he went almost frame by frame on the goal talking about it but his knowledge of the game or how to be a striker is phenomenal Mm -hmm. uh he was very much like so you see the player's taking a step here on his left foot he's he's leaning on his left foot and he's doing this all frame by frame saying as he's leaning on his left foot the reason he's able to get the good shot off is because he's leaning his body like 40 but i'm like how are you how do you know this and he wasn't a striker when he came to arsenal and that's that he just he his knowledge of the game or, or I guess attacking in general it's just phenomenal to listen to because he just he just knows how to do it and even mm-hmm. when he came back to I mean, he, he came back to you guys didn't he after Barcelona yeah scored um, against Leeds sorry Ross <laughs> and it, he's so iconic to you and I guess in, uh, I don't want I didn't want to say anything about like Drogba in terms of you know weird comparisons or anything like that but in the same way that as a striker you know it, so iconic for you guys and in the same way that trouble was for us in, in that sense in terms of he just made your team and, and I think you're right I think a lot more people know that team because of Omri mm-hmm. I, I agree with everything both of you are saying apart from the pundit but I think he's a terrible pundit but he's a very good analyst as you mentioned Ryan that's the same thing difference <laughs> between a pundit and an analyst and, uh, I mean don't forget American sports fan don't, um, don't forget the moment, you know, the, the greatest moment of his punditry <laughs> career. When... The Rogers getting sacked on Carragher. That's yeah. the only ever done well. Amazingly, punditry. when I was talking and when I said I love him as a pundit, that image comes into <laughs> yeah. my head. Because yeah. you can't um, forget it, can you? It's just perfection. I I don't think there's been a, a player outside my club that I've enjoyed watching as much in the Premier League like regularly. Uh, I had so many friends who were Arsenal fans, so like on Super Sundays and games when they're on TV, you know, we were all round together, and especially Liverpool or Arsenal games, it doesn't matter if they're playing each other, and I couldn't hate them the way Ryan done, because even though he scored against us, I'm pretty sure we had quite a good record against Arsenal. Yeah, Liverpool did it at one stage, yeah. Yeah, we went Probably still do, to be fair. Yeah, overall, I think we are. It was just one of you, you... I think the way Liverpool were, the way we played, like, we could play good football, but... We still had that bit of grit about us. Uh-huh. Whereas Chelsea, for a period of time, kind of crumbled um, against Arsenal. And then Arsenal went through that phase and it didn't matter what they did. Drogba and Chelsea just annihilated them. You know, it was, it was kind of maybe near the end of the thing. The, not near the end because it didn't leave till. But, you know, uh-huh. in the latter half where Arsenal kind of got soft and people kind of bullied them a bit more. Um, but that... The 2000 and say maybe 2001 to era to 2006 
like mm-hmm. Arsenal team were were almost untouchable, you know, mm-hmm. when, when they were in that groove. And, and as you say, Henri was was key. Um, there was a few other players, but I'm not going to mention any, just in case you've got them in your in your latter three that can get mentioned as well, because you don't want to kind of take anything away from them. But yeah, the, the thing about Henri as well, he was he's he's, he's that. I suppose inspiration isn't the word, but I can't think of it right now. Um, but there are people who support Arsenal now because of Omri. Yeah, definitely. Purely just because they saw Omri and they're like, I, I, I love watching that guy. And then obviously, you know, you develop into, you know, enjoying watching the club. And obviously it's a bit different now uh, and stuff like that. Um, you know, and, but yeah. Absolutely phenomenal, and oh, I had, what was it? You know, the the the, the four goals against Leeds at, at, at Easter weekend, the uh, the goal against Spurs where he ran the length of the pitch, uh, the game against Portsmouth where the Portsmouth fans clapped him off. I, mean, that I think a lot, he got yeah, yeah. that a lot, though, didn't he? He was just that player, and I, I don't think he realised till till he retired and till he went on Sky and he started speaking more is how competitive and how aggressive he actually was. Oh, yeah, he was known to be a nasty player as well, which he didn't look because he looked so yeah, silky. I, I didn't think of that at all. I thought he was just like, oh, he's another one of those Arsenal, you know, just player players. And mm-hmm. when, you, when you watch back in the Premier League years sort of thing and after hearing him talk, you, you then look, you're like, yeah, I mean, he was just as snide as Vieira. Like, what's going on? yeah, yeah. But just a proper lead. I mean, there's a reason why he'll always be in the debate of the best Premier League striker. Um, and for me, it's it's him or Aguero that we've ever had. But um, I just think he's he's marvellous and how important he was. I mean, we all support such big clubs and we know what it's like to have those those players who just, no matter what they do, they'll always stand out above everyone else. And, and Henri is that, is that player, especially when it gravitates to opposition fans as well where you may have hated them or loved them at certain points but there's always that respect there okay right so my last midfielder i'll be really quick with this one he deserves a lot more words but i don't think he needs it this man is the greatest thing that bruce riach ever did it's dennis burkamp and for the simple reason is one he changed the premier league this is the reason so many foreign players came to the Premier League, for my opinion. And he changed Arsenal. He, If you speak to any Arsenal player who was around the day that Dennis Bergkamp walked into that club, they would admit that he changed everything. I think Ian Wright said it best in his book. So he came in, they were all sat eating like their bangers and mash and whatever, as players did at that time, you know, after training and before games. Uh, and Dennis Burkamp came in and was like, what what, what, the, what are you doing? What's all this? And he had like a whole nutritionist like plan, you know, and he, and he helped the other players. And then when he turned up at training, did the things he did, all the other players were like, we better start eating like this fucker because then we can play like he did. And that's it. So, yeah, he, he changed the Premier League by being the greatest import at the time. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and argue he's the greatest import ever, although I'd probably say he's in the top two. Um, and, yeah, and, he, and he, he, he changed Arsenal. And considering what Arsenal were at the point that he came in, you know, during the Bruce Rioch era, um, absolutely phenomenal. Uh, yeah, there's no superb was enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, this may be only the second time, maybe third, that he's been mentioned. Um, and I think it's purely because people didn't know where to put him. 
mm-hmm. you know, in a in a position because he was that good. Yeah. But, I mean, um, or just he was one of those players that was so good that he wasn't mentioned enough. Yeah. Like, he, yeah. He. he, he yeah. A lot. He's uh, amazingly a lot of people underrate him. This is probably going to sound ridiculous, but he's very similar to how Ertzel is now. I think he's underappreciated, not underrated. Yeah, yes, yeah. Because do you know what? It's it's one of those like as you say, nobody will mention him. Then he'll get brought up, and then it's like, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they start rattling off things that he's done. And I mean, the most famous ones, obviously, that Newcastle goal. Oh yeah. Oh. Uh, I mean, I've never seen a touch and finish like it in my life. Um, but yeah, he just, oh, he's just. I don't know. Uh, the the compliments he gets from every professional who's played with him or been around him, I think it's more than enough than what we can we can add to it. Um, mm-hmm. I just think the the man was a genius. Um, yeah, I agree. I, I, I totally forgot about him completely. Um, it wasn't until he was brought up a couple of weeks later when I had it and. It was just like, oh yeah, I feel like such an idiot. I should have had him, mm-hmm. and he was just that genius. Ryan, much remember much about him? So, I guess same as genius. I guess that's the the best way to put it. And the, the goals that he scored or helped create, I think, has, has stuck within the Arsenal DNA. Actually, it was that you know that classic joke of Arsenal's problem is they always try and walk it in uh, mm-hmm. or whatever. And but and I'm not saying that he started that, but in terms of the way that he would you know link up with other players and you know some of those goals where you know touch and finish or interacting with flicks between them or whatever it's i think that's the type of player that he was and that's almost st- stood within your dna now and i guess some some of the best goals that arsenal has scored over the years have been the goals that i guess burkamp would have helped introduce to the original players and coaching staff back then in terms mm-hmm. of that one touch football and and you know going around three or four players as a result and then finishing it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, great player. Yeah. And th- this is this is the man that David Bentley said he was better than. <laughs> <laughs> this is when David Bentley, just before he left Arsenal, I think David Bentley had just scored um, quite a, a Burkamp-esque goal in the FA Cup, I think against Middlesbrough, if I remember rightly. And um, I think he was being interviewed for some magazine like a couple of days later. And they were like, oh, you know, you scored that goal, very Burkamp-esque and stuff. Great chances of breaking into the first team. And he went, why not? I'm better than the guy who plays in my position currently. And the guy went, you do know that's Dennis Burkamp. And he went, yes. Wow. And then amazingly, he left the club not long after because apparently he didn't go down very well. Whether he was joking or not. You can't go around telling people you're better than Dennis Burkham. This is, this wasn't Eddie Boyle telling Bentley that he was coming on because he was shit. This was David Bentley, who'd done nothing at Arsenal, coming on and saying, I'm better than one of the greatest players to ever play on the pitch. Remember he's against Argentina at the 98 World Cup? Yeah, yeah, phenomenal. Like I think the goal of the tournament that year, probably one of the best World Cup goals ever as well. Probably one of the one of the most best ones I remember in such quarter final or semi final, um, uh-huh. even like a meaningless group game. Just I think that kind of epitomised everything about him. He it? recreated it, didn't he, against Leicester in the Premier League as well? He did something very similar. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, just just one of those when we, when we talk of like you'll not get many players like him. He's one of them, you know. Like we may see another Messi. I mean, we've had one before and. And the likes of Bests and, you know, Dalgleish, like those type of players and uh, in the same way. Bergkamp's kind of like a special mould because he wasn't 
He was never fast. He was never, like, obviously skillful. It was all just that basic, kind of that Ajax, Dutch, 70s, 80s mentality, wasn't it? That, mm-hmm. that Cruyff legend, he was, if you're picking a five-a-side team from players that of your lifetime, Bergkamp surely would have to be one of them. Because well, depends if Alex Iwobi is available. Try <laughs> well, not to mention that name on the. I'm sure I picked Burkamp in that team as well. But you know he is one of those just he's so gracious. And again, I'll I'll go back to the Maldives, the elegance. Mm-hmm. Um, and he couldn't fly, which made the story just so much better. <laughs> he did. The thing is, he did fly at times. Uh, and it was it was a World Cup thing, wasn't he? he had a bad experience on a flight yeah. to one of the World Cups. Uh, but I think the thing the thing about Burkamp now is like you mentioned about uh, about especially game the game nowadays. He wouldn't get a chance in the game nowadays because that sort of role doesn't currently exist no. with how the game is played. You wonder though if, if there was a player of that magnitude and that ability, if they would like a, a good manager. Uh, I, I don't want to use them just because he's like a Klopp, a Pep. You know, those elite managers would find a system to fit round. Maybe. Maybe, I say, but... Because if not, I mean, you couldn't have a player like that doing nothing. Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's the thing. I, I, I don't think there's going to be many players like that going forward. You know, because he's... Yes, he influenced a lot of players, obviously, because like, you had your, your David Bentley's, your Rowan Ricketts, you know, those sort of young players who wanted to play in that, like, number 10 role uh, and stuff like that. But now players... The number 10 role is kind of dwindling a little bit. Or you've got people who want to be your Messi, who is a, a, a number 10, essentially. But it's it's not the same sort of number 10, if you know what I mean. That, that role changes due to the, the current players, doesn't it? And, you know, it'll only be one day when someone, yeah, like Dennis Burkamp comes in and, and brings it back, maybe. Uh, kind of, like I say, the way that other players have in other positions. But, yeah, phenomenal player and exactly the sort of player. I love that that that, that, that number 10 player. And the, the the two players who I'm going to pick ahead in would, would, would probably score a, a ridiculous amount of goals each season due to the creativity I've got in my midfield. But um, which one do you want first? You, you choose. Great segue taking us on to your next one. So, Okay, so I have two Englishmen as my last two players. Nice. Ooh. Um, okay, I'm going to go with the, the, the less obvious one. The one, Again, probably a player that's never been picked before um, and leave the last one because the last one I can probably gush about more than any other player. Uh, so my, my striker, my first striker, is Steve Ball. Oh. So I'm from Wolverhampton originally. I, I was born and I won't say raised, cause I, but I was born in Wolverhampton. And being from Wolverhampton, being born in the 80s, the only fucking name you ever heard about from football was Steve Ball. This man is Mr. Wolves in the same way that Tony Adams is Mr. Arsenal. But imagine that being a shitty little club instead. Sorry, Wolves fans. Um, but yeah, anyone... For, for I would probably say anyone from my age upwards, if you ask them to name their favourite Wolves player, it would easily be this man. Like he's revered, and like uh, went to a World Cup with England, scored goals in qualifying for England while he was still what we would now call a Championship player. Um, made Steve Claridge look like well dressed and and well tidied and stuff like that. But his goal-scoring record 
was phenomenal. Scored goals in all of the all you know all the divisions going up to from four to two. Anyone who like Ryan has no fucking clue what I'm talking about now. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, you know this and this man was getting in England teams in in the third division. So that that's the basically Ryan. That's the equivalent of someone from League One making it into the current England team as a striker in a team that had Gary Lineker in it. You know, at you know. Yeah, and again, probably as a footballer, not not the greatest. But he's when you hear people say that old-fashioned England, that old-fashioned English centre forward, they're not talking about your Alan Shearers so much. They're talking about your players like Steve Ball. And I say, growing, my mum's a massive Wolves fan, and she like, I swear she would have like fucking killed all of us. To, to, to touch the man and stuff. And I, you know, I was, I was lucky enough to meet him a few times. Uh, I've actually scored a goal past Steve Ball on Christmas Day because, uh, strangely, he plays in goal during Wolves. Well, he used to play in goal during, uh, Wolves training sessions, um, and stuff like that. And yeah, you know, he, he's got the typical Wolverhampton accent, even worse than mine and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, abs, he was, I can't think of, he's a, an icon. Like some of the other players on this, on this, like the way Maldini is to to AC Milan, but yeah, this is on a obviously on a much smaller scale. And you'd kind of argue, in a way, we Wolves not not the Wolves now, the the Portuguese Revolution and, and whatever, but the Wolves team of the late eighties, early nineties, very much, very much a small club, a very you know lower league club that had had their glory days. You know, they were the they were the the team behind the reason the European Cup exists uh, and all that. But their glory days were very much behind them and they'd gone through all of the divisions. They'd been relegated all the way down and were coming and came all the way back. And um, and yeah, and Steve Ball was, yeah, was just Mr. Wolves during that time. I'm almost certain either Chris Etchenham had him when he came on the show for the second I wouldn't be surprised because Chris is actually from Wolverhampton as well yes so, so he's, I, a, he's a similar age so he would probably have grown up in the same bubble yeah he either where, had him in his team or we've discussed him before when we were talking about strikers mm-hmm. in general because I've had the conversation on on Bill before and somebody had because I didn't remember him um, obviously being like the smaller you know the smaller team and I had heard about you I'm sure are you or Chris um, had said about you know the the hero and I'd seen his goal stats because his goal record's like one and two or just short of one yeah, and two. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure he's easily still their record goal scorer as well. Um, so it doesn't come as much a shock to me now, but just because it's triggering something in my in my pea brain, mm-hmm. um, I'd have to confirm it with Chris. It was either me and you, but as you say, if Chris is from Wolves originally. It's more likely going to have been him. Yeah, he, he, you would have heard the the name was everywhere, absolutely. And this is a man who joined from West Brom. He joined them from their biggest rivals. Him and Robbie, him and Robbie Dennison joined on the same day, and he still went on to become a, a fucking like an icon. Like he could walk into Wolverhampton City Centre right now and just start fucking burning the place down, and people would clap. Although I think I'd probably go and join them. Uh, to be fair, <laughs> um, but yeah, like I, even now, like. I think he retired in like the, the early nineties uh, and whatever. I think he, I think he retired like just before they made it, like started pushing to be back in 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 what became the Premier League and, and whatever. Um, but yeah, he's he, he, look, it's still a massive. I, I think if you if you went into um, 
into Wolverhampton right now, obviously, well, a bit different right now with the current circumstances and whatever. Uh, but if you went and stood in the middle of Wolverhampton on a busy day and shouted bully, you'd probably get anyone from the age of 35 upwards chanting or their, their ears would prick up and stuff like that. Again, look, we spoke about David Beckham on like a national scale. Imagine that in just one shitty little smelly city in the Midlands. Yeah. And that's Steve Ball. Ryan, have you heard of him before? Uh, I recognise the name. Uh, obviously, it's not really my era, so I, it, I, it's not too much, I guess, for me to. I mean, all I can say is Chris has taken a uh, shot, a lot of shots at Wolverhampton. Yeah, well, I, I was born there. I'm allowed to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, that's the thing. He's, he's one of these players where you know that, like, you see your uh, like your Rodney Marshes and stuff like that appear on TV and stuff yeah. like that. Steve Ball would probably be that sort of player popping up on TV <laughs> if he didn't sound like so much of a fucking idiot. <laughs> Sorry, sorry, I'm fucking horrible. Right. Right. Since me and Ryan can, can't really add anything more intelligent onto the steel move conversation, let's take the the last one. Um, I I think I could take a guess on who it is, but uh, I'll let you I'll let you name it. Saying right? Yeah. It's no one else. No, no one else. No one else. And I'll be I'll be honest. I've said things about like Thierry Henry and whatever. Right? I would happily run over every other player on this list with a bulldozer to to, to to see this man play football again. Yeah, I I I kinda grew mainly once he retired my kinda love and care for him kinda came in and once you learn more about the story, I mean you don't really pay attention to opposition teams like how mm-hmm. you, their background story, you just knew they were a good player. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd always seen him score goals but obviously once he gets older and once you get older and appreciate football more than just your club the story of Ian Wright you know the late start um, the success he made uh, obviously he came up to Celtic so I got to see him live um, The and then obviously later on in the career everybody knows about the story about the, his teacher and no, oh, don't, don't, because even talking about Ian Wright makes me it's feel a, a little bit emotional. But yeah, that whole thing with his teacher, the Rocky Rowcastle story, and all that, yeah. Just he just he's just a great guy who loves football and and cares about everything he does. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, we, it could be a it could be a facade. We don't know. Uh, it could just be you know the the public profile. But I don't think anybody could be that good an actor where most footballers are aren't the most intelligent, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. So I don't think they could pull it off. They kind of slip at some point. But Ian Wright just seems to be that typical, you know, that 70s, 80s, born, hardworking, you know, mm-hmm. and and what he then portrayed on the football pitch. He was like, people talk about this Jamie Vardy story. Like, Jamie Vardy's story's got nothing on what Ian Wright did. No, because Jamie Vardy went through the leagues. Ian yeah. Wright didn't. Ian, like, Ian Wright went from working on a like working in like a factory type thing, playing Sunday league football, to playing in the FA Cup final within a couple of years. Yeah. Less well, less than that really, you know. Yeah, absolutely amazing. Crystal, I mean, the the six years at Crystal Palace obviously made him mm-hmm. made him the player he was, but and then obviously the to become the Arsenal, and and only seven years, six seven years at Arsenal. Yeah, you know? it's amazing when you think about it that, yeah, he wasn't actually there that long. No, not when you think of heroes, you know, like most heroes tend to be like either one club players or, you know, a 10, 15 year career. But his was eight years, seven years, eight years and probably wasn't prominent, you know, at the latter part. Mm-hmm. 
you know, he started to kind of get phased out, sub appearances and so, such and such. And I mean, the biggest thing for me is how Ian Wright only got so little England caps. And mm-hmm. um, I mean, it, it, it's obviously it's 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 not a shock, too much a shock when you see the players who are all playing around. But he was just so good and so quick, and such a great finisher. Just in that, he's another one. He, he's very. Uh, uh, it's a it's a harsh comparison, but the way you hear like Ryan. Com- uh, spoke about Henri talking, you know, about mm-hmm. things. And if, I don't know if you guys listen to, like, Crouch when he talks as well. There's just those players in the game who will just work hard to be where they are. Yeah. And then they can understand, like, little aspects. Um, my my best analogy of it is, is being such a wrestling fan is hearing, like, older wrestlers talk about stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of the same idea, you know, you're not you're not always naturally gifted with these abilities. You have to study and you know work hard. And Ian Wright just epitomised that, especially coming from, as you say, it was like a Sunday league, you know, junior team. He's working full time somewhere else, and mm. then, as you say, Crystal Palace Cup finals, and then the career he, he went on to have. Um, I just that typical working man hero. Not got a bad word to say. Yeah, I, I I genuinely love the man, like more than people in my in that I have met in and and in my life. Like there is, I have a, a genuine emotional feeling towards Ian Wright more more so than any any of these players that I've described, and again more so than people I've encountered and spend large parts of my life with. There's just something so special about him. Like I, I, I watch his he does YouTube videos now. I watch them no matter what they're about. Yeah, he's got a YouTube channel. He's got an Instagram cha- channel, and he, he's you know he's. He'll never be like your Sky Sports football pundit because he's very—he's still like he was as a player. He's very raw and very honest, and he'd probably say something that would get them taken off air and and, and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, the way he played with his heart on his sleeve and whatever, and yeah, the say the the teacher story that you mentioned, Ali, like oh, I think I'm going to cry thinking about it and stuff like that, you know. And, yeah, again, I've been looking, I've, you know, I've seen him play in the flesh a number of times. I've seen this man's bare bottom when we won the title and we, were, we all went to Highbury to celebrate and he hung his arse out the changing room win- window um, to, to all the fans outside. Um, I, I was lucky enough to meet him. He was in Blackpool for something when I lived in Blackpool and my sister worked at the Tower Ballroom and she was like, she phoned me and she was like, you'll never guess who's here. I think it was when Strictly Come Dancing was there or something. And she was like, you'll never guess who's here. She went, you need to get here right now. And I was like, well, she went, Ian Wright is here and I can get you in. And like, I literally got dressed, literally stopped whatever, I, was, I can't remember what I was doing and literally just ran to the Tower Ballroom. My sister was there, got me in and like, um, and, and like she spoke to someone and was like, oh, do you want to come over and say hello? And I was like, uh, <laughs> and like I, I got it for, and I genuinely cried, oh. genuinely cried. Like I'd seen them and I'd had his autograph. He signed a program for me at a game, like when years years before. But to be like right next to him, I genuinely cried. It was it it was that much, and I still feel that way when when I talk about him. Like it's very hard for me to to talk about him in, in, in any great detail, probably as I have the rest of the players on this list. But this man is my hero. And like that—that's I, I suppose that's about as much as I can say. I'm afraid. The, the last I'll add to it before I hand over to Ryan, like that—that that reaction and the way you talk about it and the way you describe, this is the reason about this show. Like I like I like having like the 
you know, the random players just because they bring up a fun talking point or you have a bit of laugh about it. But the show genuinely is about those players who make that connection to you that, as you say, you would defend them over people who you actually know in real life. Mm-hmm. It's just that that raw emotion. Everybody has a player or two players that you're you're almost kind of like infatuated with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and to you, he's one. But I'll let Ryan speak about him now because I, I just can't echo anything more than what you've said. I, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to add loads and loads by any stretch. Um, I guess my sort of my thing has been more of you know more clips and everything and, and cat, uh, reviews on, on him as a player. But I think as a bloke, he's so genuine, and I think that's the mm-hmm. thing you were going back to is the the thing about the Sky Sports pundit. He's not flashy or anything like that. Like he's on match of the day, and you can tell especially, you know, between Lineker, Shearer and Wright, how much respect they've got for each other, and I guess you know, mm-hmm. in that vein, how much respect they've got for him. And I think, I guess, as an Arsenal fan, I, I could be assuming here, but I guess one thing, obviously all of his career in terms of, you know, everything that he's done for you guys, but the, the way he talks about Arsenal now, um, mm-hmm. and, you, you know, when you lose a game or there's been a disappointing performance, his raw emotion for that club still mm-hmm. exists. Yeah, and it's mad, and he's a Millwall fan. <laughs> and he's, but he's there, and he, you know, he says like, you know, how frustrated he is or something, and you can, he's not saying it just because he can, he's saying it because he means it. Yeah. And that's the genuine aspect that I think everything, anything, you, anytime you hear him talk, you know, that was that thought of like, you know, is it persona? No, it's definitely not. It's so genuine. It's mm-hmm. you know, it's just, it's just him, full yeah. stop. And Watch him. He's a great striker. Follow him on Instagram, and when the world is back to normal, watch him on a Saturday driving to match of the day. He 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 live streams himself driving to the <laughs> studio, singing along to the radio. That's great. <laughs> yeah, and obviously this is a man who's had, you know who's released singles, and he had a chat show, a fucking footballer who had a chat show in the nineties. Oh, I don't. You know. uh, I missed. I missed. I missed that. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, he had he had a chat show. Was it called Do the Right? No, Do the Right Thing was the single, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> he had a, he had a chat show, and like I think his most famous interview, like he he interviewed he interviewed some really big people, but he like he he had kind of a kind of a love affair with uh, Denzel Washington um, <laughs> and stuff like that. See, again, the working man's hero, isn't it? That's just where it goes back to. He just kind of does it all. You know, it's not even about the fame. He just enjoys being, you know, enjoys entertaining people. Yeah, right. That's your eleven. We'll go over that in a second. Who's your captain? My captain, it's got to be Paolo Maldini. He's probably the only one who could control some of these players <laughs> uh, and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I had a look through it. And to be fair, I, I had thought about it before and then forgotten about it. And I was, my, my, my captain had to come from my back five. It definitely wasn't coming anywhere else. Um, uh, no disrespect to any of the players on, on the list, but I, I went for Maldini then. So, your team that you've went with is. Uh, Chris identified four four two of Paparel, then Cafu right back, Maldini left back, Matthias and Tony Adams at centre half, Clayton Blackmore as your centre midfielder, with Beckham and Henri right and left, mm-hmm. Bergkamp with the attacking midfield with Steve Bolt and Ian Wright up front. Yeah. So normally we ask for honourable mentions, but um, I've got a second, ele- second eleven. Seven. So we're going to pass the mic to him and let him go through the, the players who have just missed out. All right, I'll rattle through them really, really quickly. Uh, for anyone, I mentioned that what a big Arsenal fan I am. There's a surprise amount of Spurs players coming. Uh, Gary Lineker, probably more now than when he was a player. 
but I remember Gary Lineker in Euro 92, uh, you know, obviously he was taken off and, and never played again uh, and stuff like that. But yeah, Gary Lineker, Italian 90 is probably the, the main reason, though, because that was my first World Cup. Uh, Paul Gascoigne, probably for the same reason, and he was a little bit fucking mental. Uh, my first Arsenal goal was that FA Cup semi-final when he put that free kick in after Gary, and Gary Lineker scored two in that game as well. So I have no idea what they actually made the list. Um, David Platt played for Arsenal, scored great goals. Uh, again, Italian, probably the Italian, this is where the Italian 90s is coming through. You'll probably spot a theme there. Um, but yeah, even when he was at Villa, being from the Midlands, um, I remember Villa, were, I'm sure, I, I don't, I probably have, I'm sure I didn't imagine this. I remember Villa getting to a European final and winning something. It was probably like the Intertoto Cup or something. Mm. But I remember David Platt being part of that team and he was such a big deal. And, 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 and at the time, um, Andre Kinchowskis and Lee Sharp, I couldn't, I couldn't split these two players. Um, so for my sins, I wasn't a Man United fan when I was younger, although some people in know me would probably argue a bit different. Mm. But because I, well, I was quite young and they were the, the team coming up, um, I loved that Cavalier midfielder. And, and Lee Sharp, purely just for that goal celebration against Barcelona. Um, Paul Birch, a name that will probably ring no bells with, with either of you. Uh, Paul Birch was a uh, winger who I think he played for England maybe once. But he also he looked like something out of Emmerdale Farm. Mm. Um but again, wingers, I, I had a thing for wingers. Uh, and he moved to Wolves. Uh, there was a period where a lot of ex-Villa players would move to Wolves when they were towards the end of their career. And I just remember, because I used to go and see Wolves play a lot, he, he was, again, a rampaging winger uh, and stuff like that. Uh, David Seaman, obviously. Paul Ince, because he was the governor, wasn't he? That tough tackling midfielder. I'll be honest, he almost made my 11 over Clayton Blackmore, but I couldn't miss out on those bangers. Um, Salvatore Scalacci. Anyone who watched Italian Night, you know, this man. Uh, he he was the fucking revelation of that tournament. I remember kids in the playground who'd never heard of this little Italian geezer running around going, Scalacci! Uh, and stuff like that. So that always stuck in my head. I don't really remember much else about him uh, and stuff like that. And purely because he performed the greatest transfer ever, Sol Campbell. Yeah. Uh, of all the players, uh, David Platt was the one I was actually surprised didn't make your team. Um, and I can't believe you don't have Roy Keane even in your honourable mentions. I thought about it, uh, but I, I picked Paul Lintz. Yeah. It's, um, but I think, yeah, as you say, like the Italian 90 influence runs wild in that, mm-hmm. in that second 11 and kind of shows your age a little bit. Um, mm-hmm, Ryan yeah. knows about five of those players that uh, you mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but no, it's, it's it's been good. I mean, it's been a long time coming to get you on. This has been mentioned for a while. Um, I mean, your team is actually, I mean, Ryan mentioned after the back five, but I think you have got quite a good balance. Um, That's purely accidental. Oh, I, I wasn't giving you any intelligence. <laughs> Just, you've managed to pick the hardworking players in the right position. I'm not quite sure how... Uh, the, the best here in Reef fits in at left midfield, especially if he comes up against any any credible right midfielder. Um, but you know it'll do a job. And like the, the the Ian Wright, Steve Bull, and Blackmore, you know they're for me they're the highlights of the show and why the show exists. I mean we'll get loads of Maldini's, we'll get loads probably we'll get loads of Beckham's. You know they're those type of players, and it's brilliant talking about them, but. Those players that you don't hear enough about, like an Ian Wright or Steve Bull, unless you know you're probably unless you're from that Wolves area. Yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I mean. Yeah, he's he's probably a player as big as he was. Very few people would probably even register him. They probably heard of him, but we'll forget. And even Clayton Black, I'm not sure how many Man United fans, even at your age, 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I guess Alex Ferguson doesn't remember who he is. Probably not, no. And that's, again, that's why I I joined the show originally at, at the previous platform. And when Ross asked to bring it over and for me to come, I was I was ecstatic. Um, and as I said, it's that hopefully we can get more more frequent with us. Because they're just a bit of fun. You know, we, mm-hmm. you get fed up talking about the current, especially in everything everybody's going through just now. Um let's just have a bit of fun and enjoy ourselves but yeah thank you very much for having me i really enjoyed putting this list together no it's um, good for coming on as a as a first book hopefully again you'll not be the last um, but it's been a pleasure thank you very it's much great. it's a great team i think as dave said it's that i mean you might as well put a 4-2-4 four, four, uh, <laughs> rather than a 4-4-2 four, four, um, no, no, I want Beckham to sit back. I want Beckham to sit back a yeah, bit. Yeah, Beckham is what sitting that, back in that. That, that, quarterback, that quarterback role. Yeah, Beckham is sitting back in that range. <laughs> yeah. You've got Henri Burkamp and Wright. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> four, two, four. <laughs> yeah. Well, you... Clayton Blackmore and Beckham are defensive material. Yeah, you got Be- well, you're not going to put Burkamp centre mid, are you? <laughs> Well, he could, he could, he could do a job. Oh, okay. We're just gonna bring that back. Yeah. Fun. Getting t-shirts made. Say, if we're ever getting merch made, that's what I should say. Eleven pieces of me can do a job. Yeah. Do a job. It's a bit like the podcast. Look, we're here to do a job in your ears while you're bored at home. Right. Well, on that note, before Ross kills us for the win for the. <laughs> Sure. Sorry. I think, Sorry. I think, Willie, you're not the longest, and you certainly won't be the longest. No, definitely not. No doubt. Um, but Ryan can do us a job, and if Ryan edits it, we'll get away with it. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> anyway, Chris, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. And Ryan, thank you as always thank for you. joining me. And we'll get this organised. Yeah. Uh, do you both of you want to, as, as Chris would say, pimp your socials? I hate pimping my socials because no one wants to hear me rant on Twitter. Um, I'm just going to plug, I have a gaming podcast if anyone is interested. It is at project underscore DD on Twitter. Uh, check that out. It's probably more entertaining than anything on my Twitter feed. <laughs> uh, if you want to follow me, I don't have, well, I, I say I don't have a gaming podcast. Me and Chris actually did one yeah, a while we'll, ago. Yeah, yeah we, we need, need to re-record. Re- we need to re-record one because uh, my thing let me down. Um, but I'm going to put my actual socials and it's at the Ryan Goodman. You can come tell me about all these players that I don't know and send me clips <laughs> of how good they are uh, so I can get some education. Yep. And I, I mean, I'm not going to put any of my socials because again, you don't want to, I only talk wrestling. It's not worth listening. I'm just so negative on social media. Um, just follow Man in the Post on all social media aspects. Um, I'm not as good as, as the other Chris and can tell you them all. But if you search Man in the Post on all of them, you will find everything from podcasts being out. Uh, Dave and Ross's podcast is really good just now, the Champ Man one. Um, some really, I, don't, I don't know the player, I'll be honest, um, who was on last week. But Nicole Alexanderson. Was that who it was? You yeah, he's played for Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah. Scored in a World Cup, I've seen somebody comment. So check, look, check that out. Although Chris hasn't said it himself, have a look at his YouTube channel as well, because it is actually... I was surprised at how good it was for somebody just riding oh, on a bike. Oh, oh God, don't. He's, he's, uh, pimped, he's pimped right, but he's put, he's also, it's a bit backhanded by saying it's a lot better than I expected. <laughs> I didn't expect <laughs> A lot better for a guy on a three-wheeled bike. <laughs> it was yeah. interesting. Well, it, it was, I, I watched it all, so, um, but 
yep. Apart from that, just give us a follow, five star rate and review everything that we're on. Um, if you want to come on the show, hit us up and get your team together. The more guests, the better. I'll get Ryan available somehow. Um, and apart from that, just keep your man in the post.